This is the KPMG Board Insights Podcast. This episode is about the skills and experience that general and flag officers can bring to the boardroom. Welcome to the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, brought to you by the KPMG Board Leadership Center. The KPMG Board Insights Podcast series features conversations with directors, business leaders, and governance luminaries to explore the emerging issues and pressing challenges facing boards today. In this episode, Ken Daly, Senior Advisor with the KPMG Board Leadership Center, talks with Jan Hamby, a retired U.S. Navy Rear Admiral and a corporate board member, about the unique skills that general and flag officers can contribute to boardroom effectiveness, including experience in strategic and operational risk management. Hello, I'm Ken Daly, Senior Advisor with the KPMG Board Leadership Center, and with me today to talk about the value of having former military officers in the boardroom is retired United States Navy Rear Admiral and Corporate Director Jan Hamby. Welcome to the podcast. As Don Rumsfeld said, Secretary of Defense under George Bush, as we know, there are known knowns. These are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But then again, there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. It seems to me, Jan, that we're somewhere four square in the arena of unknown unknowns. A recent article published by McKinsey and Company describes lessons from flag officers about decisive actions amid the chaos of crisis. And a recent paper published by KPMG describes the unique skills that general and flag officers bring to boards. In my mind, the pandemic seems to not only fit into the unknown unknowns, but also the chaos of crisis. So Jan, how do general and flag officer skills translate into the boardroom today? Well, Ken, I would have to agree with you that we are definitely at a juncture of time in the history of the human race that is filled with unknowns. And there is certainly chaos out there. And so a boardroom is going to be looking for leadership that can stay calm in a crisis, can suss out the most important information to make decisions, and then be willing to make decisions. And this is where I think that flag and general officers have some unique skills that could contribute to the boardroom effectiveness. In the midst of this unprecedented level of uncertainty, navigating these uncertainties requires skills like that ability to find the right information that is needed to act, and this is where a flag and general officer has honed their skills of asking the right questions of their followers. When you're at that senior level, you simply can't be the expert on everything that you need to accomplish in order to achieve mission success. You have to be able to rely on your people to know the right information, but you still have to be able to know the right questions to ask and to figure out new questions to ask in the face of truly novel situations. Once you have that information, Ken, uh, you can't just sit back and 
wait and wait and analyze and reanalyze. You have to be able to make some decisions and take some action. And I think that might be one of the biggest challenges facing boards at the moment, this inability to actually make decisions to move forward. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, let me focus on something that you just said, which I think is particularly important. You know, certainly most, if not almost all, boards and most and probably all management teams have never had to deal with uh, a matter like the matter we, we currently have with this COVID-19 issue. And your point about frozen up, uh, how do you see that uh, general and flag officers can assist not only the board but the management team in trying to avoid this deer in the headlights kind of thing that's currently going on in many boardrooms but also in very many C-suites? Well, you know that flag and general officers don't have the luxury of waiting on taking action in many situations. And this really boils down to an ability to manage the risk of taking an action versus not taking any action at all. So if a flag can bring forth their experience to the boardroom to really help identify what the key risks are facing the company in that moment in time and help derive a strategy that will allow those risks to be managed, not eliminated. You can't eliminate risk, especially when you have this kind of uncertainty, but you can manage that risk. And one of the big components of managing that risk is something that all flag and general officers have to be good at, and that is understanding and holding a real strategic vision that will take you beyond the confusion of the moment. That company needs to have something to look forward to in the future around which decision-making can be organized in a way that helps drive down the risk and allows the company to move on. I have heard many of your compatriots describe that uh, you folks are really good at avoiding the noise and finding the signal. Is that essentially what you're saying? That is a very good way to put it, Ken. It, it really is figuring out what are those things that are the priority of the moment without forgetting what things may be the priority for the future. And it's, it's coming up with the right balance in addressing those two things so that the outcomes for the company can be positive. And when I say outcomes for the company, I'm not just speaking to financial outcomes. I'm speaking to the health and well-being of the employees. I am speaking to the sustainability of the company in the future by having developed the kind of corporate culture that will allow it to keep functioning long after immediate decisions are taken to address things like cash flow requirements or the sudden loss of customer base and so forth. Let's uh, turn the corner here a little bit and talk about uh, something that I have studied for quite a while and I've recently seen where many other folks have kind of uh, focused on this, which is that earth-moving occurrences, and I'll call the current thing a earth-moving occurrence, usually accelerate previously emerging trends. 
I think one such trend is telecommuting and specifically working from home. The military, in my view, Jan, most clearly has vast experience working with people in disparate locations in extremely stressful environments. What learnings might general and flag officers bring to bear on that kind of a matter? One of the key learnings that the military brings to bear in this is that you do have to be open to innovations that can bring forward success. In addition to being open to innovation, we've also seen how the leadership of the military has worked very hard to provide real cohesion for all of their forces that are assigned around the world so, so disparately. Um, one of the underlying key concepts for this is the concept of unity of command. The, the notion here is that the organization must have a very clear vision and purpose and core values that underlie all of its operations. You know, let, let me interrupt there for just a second, Jan. The, the, the matter that you're describing, I think, is kind of the uh, sleeping tiger, perhaps. You know, I have worked with a lot of groups trying to get involved with a matter of culture. And what I have found is that culture isn't important until it's important. <laughs> and then it's really, really <laughs> it's important. It's really important. It's really important. And the concern that I'm focusing on is that it's tough enough to get uh, common culture when everybody's together. When everybody is all over the place, uh, it's way tougher. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what you're getting at with the unity of command, et cetera, uh, expectations, uh, what you're really trying to get accomplished, mission. Uh, is that part of it, Jan? Have you that, guys figured out a way to, to work on that matter? So that is precisely what I'm getting at, uh, Ken. The need to have that culture that works together for a common objective underpins the success of any organization, especially one that must adjust to situations like we're seeing today and that wants to be sustainable in the future. The way we have addressed this and the way that flag and general officers have come to be good at this is that they understand that there is no such thing as over communication with the forces mm. or from the boardroom with the employees. So the Willingness and the insistence on leveraging every form of communication that can be brought to bear with a level of frequency that helps make it almost a, a matter of, of rote for people to understand what the organization is trying to accomplish and more importantly, what the intentions are of management and of the board for the kind of organization the organization intends to be. So working on that culture where people are willing to assist each other when needed, that people are willing to share information, whether it's good or bad, a culture that values the thoughts and ideas that all members can bring to the table, but also an organization that understands that when a, a mission objective is laid out, that is the objective that all should be striving for. And accomplishing this 
takes a lot of personal effort on the part of the entire management team. It takes a lot of communication between the board and the management team. And then it takes a willingness on the board's part to be able to sit back and allow the personnel to carry out the direction that has been given. And many people may not realize this. They may think that flags and generals need to always have their fingers in the mix. But our more senior flags and general officers have a lot of experience in laying out the strategy, laying out the intentions, laying out the values that must be employed during the execution of that mission, and then sitting back and allowing people to go forward and execute, and sometimes changing the plans as execution takes place and they find new information. So this is so something uh, I think is a tremendous opportunity for boards. Let's dig down into that one a little bit more. Uh, my history in business, and I was in business for 50-some years, nothing I used to, used to get under my skin quite as much as delegating up. Uh, people <laughs> who would who would not function unless uh, I told them okay or, or their immediate supervisor told them okay. So now I picture these folks all over the country and the world where uh, independent action is going to be required sometime. So Absolutely. what learnings have you got on that issue? So here is where the role of strategic and operational planning really comes into play. Ken, you might not think that working on a plan together actually supports this kind of ability to truly empower your people to go forth and do the job. But if you plan together, you are able to then really communicate what the intention is, what the parameters are that will allow someone to execute according to the uh, according to the core values that you as a company want to subscribe to, and will help them understand what the real objectives are as they're making each individual decision. And as you plan together, you build up your own confidence that those junior people, those more junior people, do get your message. They do understand what the priorities are. They do understand what the parameters are and within which operations must take place. And that will allow you to be a little more hands-off to allow them to go forward and actually accomplish those jobs, those missions. This is really key because every time a junior person has the opportunity to succeed in this manner, that builds their confidence, that builds their ability to be resilient in the face of the unknown and in face of great challenges, and that's going to make you and the company that much more successful. This is something that flags and general officers understand, and it's something they can definitely bring to the board table. You know, that's a, that's a very interesting point. Eisenhower said one time, it doesn't matter uh, what the plan is. The, the importance is in the planning. And I can remember Mike Tyson saying, the best plan in the world changes the moment somebody punches you in the face. That's but right. I we, think. <laughs> we always I, say, I think what, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Exactly. But you seem to be saying, let me make sure I have this right, that the better the planning process the more the folks understand expectations and desired outcomes, 
the higher the likelihood they'll be able to work on their own and make a, make decisions, not just one decision, but decisions that kind of get us to where we want to go. Is that kind of the meat of the matter? That is exactly right. Because we don't do strategic planning to come up with a sequential list of actions that each and every person needs to take. We do strategic planning to set a goal in the future and to help surface what risks might manifest along the way and come up with strategies with which to deal with those risks to keep them in control. That's where I get back to this value of experience in both strategic and operational risk management. That someone who has faced combat situations or less than combat situations that are incredibly rigorous and challenging to be able to achieve what the real outcomes are that are desired in the case of flag and general officers desired by the nation in the case of a corporation desired by the corporation and its stakeholders so Jared tell me if if flag and general officers can bring these kind of skills and I'm certain actually that they can because I've seen it and given the obvious challenges that we're now facing many of them being the kinds of matters that you folks have had a lot of experience dealing with. Why aren't there more general and flag officers on boards? And what do you see as some of the biggest obstacles that face these kinds of officers in being placed on boards? And most importantly, Jan, what in the world do you think we can do about it? Because I think it would be good for corporate America that uh, we had these kinds of experiences on boards? That's a great question, Ken. And from my own experience, I can share with you two themes that I think are really at play here. The first theme is that of preconceived notions about what kind of people flag and general officers are. I mentioned earlier that a lot of people think that flags and general officers always need to have their fingers in things. They always have to be giving orders. They always have to be micromanaging. That is not true. Uh, another preconceived notion is that flag and general officers are prima donnas. If they're in the boardroom, we're going to have to be calling them sir or ma'am and waiting on them hand and foot, making sure somebody's bringing coffee to them and so forth. Again, not true. You know, we have another saying, it doesn't matter how senior you get, you're always somebody's plebe. There's always someone more senior to you. <laughs> and so uh -huh. there are a lot of... I found of, that uh, after I retired. <laughs> that's right. And there are a lot of flag and general officers out there who have experienced being the action officer for a more senior flag or general officer. Or uh, from my time in service on the staff of the Secretary of Defense, you can bet I was an action officer. I was not get it, having someone get my coffee. I was writing the reports and providing the information for a senior. So situationally, we may have had aides who took care of us, but in other situations, we understand that everyone has to roll up their sleeves and be part of the work effort. So uh, these are notions about flag and general officers that I think come to people from watching how generals are depicted 
in popular culture, you know, watching situation comedies on TV or movies, and they get this notion that flag officers are arrogant and they have to be kowtowed to and have to be waited on. That is not the kind of person you want to have in a boardroom. Um, I understand that. People need to understand that popular culture does not reflect reality. Although, I will caution, there are some of them out there. And that's where having a real personal engagement with board candidates can alleviate the, these concerns. And they are very critical to make sure you do get the right folks, just like any board member. Uh, someone who is going to fit with your board culture or stir things up a little bit in a positive way. And you can find that in the flag and general officer community. The other element that, or the other theme that I think has really played against placement of flag and general officers on boards is that there is this notion that flags and general officers are only suitable for boards in the defense industry. And this requirement for industry-specific knowledge, if you will, really right. fails to really fails to recognize the value that diversity of thought can bring to the strategic view of a board, and it downplays some of those skill sets that we've talked about, which really apply in any industry, in any situation. And my experience is that most boards have plenty of people on them who have industry expertise. That industry expertise can be complemented by the more general skills that are so finely honed in some of our best flag and general officers out there. You know, we've had uh, the need to be very quick studies once we pin stars on. We have to take the expertise that we've developed in our core specialization and build on that so that we can serve our services across a broader spectrum of requirements. This ability to build on personal expertise with expertise that crosses that particular industry's interests is something that flag and general officers can do. And I think having the Outside view can be very healthy for the boardroom as well. It helps the board avoid that negative tendency of only considering the insider's view and not realizing what may be taking place outside of the industry that could impact on it in a very significant way. Part of the issue is people would like to put flag and general officers in a box. What I have found, and KPMG is a great example of this, KPMG sponsors with the NACD uh, providing the leadership, the Battlefield to Boardroom program. And we've put over 500 flag and general officers through that program. The reason I started that was because I think the big issue or at least one of the big issues, is language. And transferring the kind of skills that folks like yourself bring is somewhat difficult if we don't have the language of corporate America down. You know, what is the balance sheet? What is the income statement? Mainly, uh, flag and general officers haven't had to deal with that. But if they get that part of it, 
and they understand the, uh, the whole context of why a board exists, the idea of investors, the idea of stakeholders, the idea of employees, etc., those skills get deployed much more quickly than otherwise would be the case. And I'm wondering if you subscribe to that also. I definitely do, Ken. You asked me about what can be done to help overcome the obstacles of getting flag and general officers onto boards. And one of the key things that needs to be done is the preparation of those flag and general officers who have an interest in serving on boards. Uh, it's very important that they do the work to learn about, in general, how corporations operate and specifically how those boards operate, and that includes corporate language. If they walk into a candidate interview and they are sticking to the military speak that they have known for so many years, they're not going to land their message that they are capable and qualified to make a difference in the success of that board. And in the same token, they also need to press the discussion of what the board actually presumes about them. What are those expectations that the board has in hiring a general officer? This discussion is needed so that they can be sure that any assumptions or preconceived notions that the candidate committee has are not made unless they actually have some sound basis based on the behavior of that particular flag or general officer. Um, one of the really key things that was an eye-opener for me when I went through Battlefield to Boardroom in your very first class was really coming to terms in understanding the role of a board versus the role of management. I was able to equate that to my service on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, where we essentially served as a board of advisors, if you will, to the chairman and ultimately to the Secretary of Defense. So at least I had something I could take that concept and liken it to, which moved my learning forward. But at the same time, I also took to heart the advice that you guys gave to us on the last day of class, which was that this was a class that only provided an introduction and that it was really on our own shoulders to go forward and learn as much more as we could as we went out to seek board positions. The flip side of that coin is that boards and executive search services also need to do their homework. They need to learn more about the value that flag and general officers can bring to the boardroom, and they need to be willing to address their concerns with any candidates that are flags or general officers so that they can make sure that those concerns won't in fact manifest depending on the, the flag or general officer that they're speaking with. So both parties have a responsibility to educate and prepare themselves for the possibility of a flag or general officer entering the board. And I argue that the responsibility does lie with boards and executive search services primarily because of their fiduciary responsibility to those investors and shareholders and other stakeholders. If they want the best board that they can have, then they need to know that flag and general officers are a talent pool that they have failed to tap in sufficient numbers to really bring success to that corporation.
I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for your years of service to our country. This is the home of the free because of the brave, and I think you had a very lot to do with that. I think that you have proven beyond any doubt that flag and general officers are very knowledgeable, they are extremely well tested, and they know what service really means. I think there is a very de minimis risk of putting a flag or general officer on a board as far as the culture of the board. Well, thank you for that very much, Ken. And you hit the nail on the head there. Flag and general officers know service. They're motivated by service, and they bring that mindset of service into the boardroom. I've got to believe that that really is your best board candidate, someone who takes a board position because they want to serve. Jane, I think that's a very good summary. Uh, I think that this community is high-functioning, and deserves an opportunity, and I think corporate America can learn quite a bit from having flag and general officers on the board. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Jane. You are so welcome. Thank you for including me in this great discussion. Thank you for listening to our podcast episode on general and flag officers in the boardroom. Be sure to visit the Board Leadership Center website at kpmg.com slash us slash blc. For more resources and information for board members and business leaders, and be sure to subscribe to the Board Insights podcast to be notified of new episodes. 